Uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8. Um, and if you've been with us, you know that we are going through a series all the way up to Easter where we're looking at all the different questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels. And there's a lot of them, so we're picking just a few. And we're trying to see not just the questions, but if we flip it around and say, okay, God, uh, here's, a questions that, here's a question that Jesus has. What have you asked me that same question? So we're going to see a bunch of questions. Uh, man, one of the, the sections of passages, is, out of all that we've looked at, probably the most questions that you'll see Jesus ask here, uh, and we'll see that in just a little bit. But first, this whole week, at least for me, my family, our staff, and a lot of our volunteers, we have been reminiscing a lot this last week. Like it was just last Sunday, we were on the other side of the building, and then like 200 of you stayed after. We moved everything over. And anytime there's a change, anytime there's a move or any kind of movement, it tends to cause us to think back. It tends to cause us to look back and to reminisce. And so we've been doing that a lot. I've been doing that a lot. I'm a softie at heart, so I love looking back and being sentimental and reminiscing. And these are a few of just those photos that have been just stuck in my mind over the last couple weeks. This first one is when uh, we started out in the movie theater. My family and I moved here in 2014, and there was just something in my head of like, man, that's where God started us, and we had no idea what we were doing, no idea what we were gonna do, but God has been faithful, and we have continued to just commit to, to following him and his leading. But man, that image in that movie theater almost nine years ago has just been stuck in my head. Then you fast forward a few years from when that one, and this image has always been in my head since we did it, but uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to baptize our oldest son, Connor, and he was baptized in that lobby over there back in 2021, and, and that image this last week has been stuck in my head because, again, we've been saying it, it's not just about the space. And so remembering, know the lives that get changed, the, the, the hearts that are transformed because of us opening God's word and because of our amazing kids ministry and student ministry and how God uses spaces to show people God, to show people himself. And so I have that image of Connor coming up out of the water has been stuck in my head. This picture, this is one of my favorite pictures of church reminiscent history, is this was taken last year uh, in our lobby. And the reason I love this, and, and I don't know who this gentleman is, but if I ever get a chance to meet him, I'm going to give him a big hug, is the Home Depot bucket guy. <laughs> I love this picture. Was that you? Oh, I bet you I didn't know that was actually you. Oh, that makes me so happy. I've never been able to put a face with it. But here's a guy that is now with a name and a face, but sitting on that Home Depot bucket, oh my goodness, it's not just like, oh yeah, we need more room, like obviously, but I love, you see his daughter sitting on his lap as he's sitting in church with her? Man, I love that. So that's been stuck in my head this last week of not just why God is giving us this opportunity to have more, we, I have a chair for you today, so I'm very happy about that, <laughs> but also the families that are part of this together. The kids that are being raised in a way that honors God according to his word. Like I picture that moment and I'm like, God, this is where you continue to lead us. So that picture has been stuck in my head all week. This last one is the, that image in my head. We did this just really not that long ago, just a few months ago. Do you remember when we did Sharpie Sunday here? And so right now, if you don't know this, right where you're sitting Underneath the carpet is just a concrete slab, and on that foundation, on that concrete slab, is just a bunch of scriptures and prayers written all over this place and in that space over there. And so 
that picture of me and my wife Becky and then my daughter Collins and my boys were they needed to have their own space. They needed to go and do their own thing. That's totally fine. So they're somewhere else writing their passages. But that's been in my head of you know, what this place is built on, what my life is built on, what the life of my family is built on. It's built on God's word and the love and grace that only comes from Jesus. So like all of those pictures have been in my head this last week reminiscing. And you know what's interesting about that? is when we look back and when we look at pictures like that, it does something to us in the present, right? I notice this even at home. Uh, on my phone, it puts up a new picture like every hour if you like set it to do that, right? It's not just a background. It's like different pictures from all my photo albums and stuff. And what's fascinating is I'll be like getting on to my kids for something. They didn't listen. I know that's rare. It never happens. But I'll be getting on them for something. And then I'll just look at my phone and I'll be like, oh, so adorable. I love them so much. You know what? You're not grounded. You're, you know, I, love, I, can't, I can't do that to you, right? There's something about looking in the past, reminiscing about what God has done, that it actually impacts our present today. And so even in the midst of all the chaos that ensued this last week of getting everything ready, those images kept coming to mind, and it impacts our today. When we look backwards and we see the faithfulness of God, I'm not talking about your past defining you, talking about looking back and seeing the faithfulness of God because each and every one of those pictures from the movie theater to my son's baptism to the Home Depot bucket to Sharpie Sunday each and every one of those shows the faithfulness of God and so when we get in today mode and it feels like we have blinders on we're like I've got a lot going on I've got this happening and I don't know how this is going to work out and what about this over here and oh man I didn't expect that and we get these blinders on and we forget what God has already done we start to forget his faithfulness. It causes stress, it causes worry, it causes anxiety, and it causes all kinds of emotions. And it almost feels like God's saying, hey, 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 we've been through this. I've walked with you through this. This isn't anything new. I've got you. So when we look back and we see the faithfulness of God, it impacts our day today. God's faithfulness yesterday. Another way to say it, God's faithfulness yesterday strengthens my faith today. That God's faithfulness then will strengthen your faith now. What God has proved to you before, and he's proved it again and again and again and again, it gives you the confidence to continue to follow him today. It's easy to forget that though, isn't it? It's easy in the midst of today to forget about the faithfulness of God. And that's actually what we see in Mark chapter 8. The disciples have been around Jesus. They've seen him do incredible things, yet somehow they've started to forget just how faithful he can be. So let's look at that story. We're going to be looking for the questions that Jesus asked, but also how it ties into remembering the faithfulness of him. Mark chapter 8, here's the context. We have to understand this part before we get into where Jesus starts asking questions of his disciples. Verse 11 out of Mark chapter 8. Here's the story. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. That became very common at this time and in his ministry. They were testing him, and they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. In other words, for the religious leaders and the Pharisees, Jesus just claiming to be Messiah and Jesus asking for their belief and faith in him was not enough. They said, no, 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 no. If you want us to believe in you, you need to show us something else. If you want us to put our faith in you, you need to prove it just a little bit more. We've started to see this. We even talked about that a little bit last week. We're starting to see this more and more with the religious leaders and the Pharisees. Verse 12, when he, Jesus, heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. And he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? 
I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat, and he left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. Now, here's why we needed to read that portion first, because that's what's in Jesus's head. That's the conversation he just had. He's doing all these incredible miracles, then the Pharisees are, are going against him. There's a false teaching side of that where, no, 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 you can't be the Messiah because the Messiah is supposed to look like this. And so he's kind of battling that. Then he gets in the boat with his disciples and he's going to, as we're going to see, he's going to start teaching the disciples. He's going to start teaching them about the false teachers and how they can continue to lead even in the midst of opposition. So that's what's in Jesus's head, this moment with the Pharisees. And now he's with his disciples ready to teach them and lead them. Verse 14, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. That is a red flag. That's a problem. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. So that's one loaf of bread for 12 people, 12 disciples. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them. Here's where that teaching moment comes out. He warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. So what that means is, again, Jesus was just kind of in this this moment with the Pharisees and religious leaders. And now he's with his disciples kind of in this close setting. They're crossing the lake and he's got his 12 and he's trying to help them understand. Okay, guys, what I just went through, the opposition we got from those Pharisees, you're gonna have to deal with that when I'm gone. Because we know how the story's gonna go. He's gonna be betrayed. He's gonna be crucified. He's gonna come back to life, but then he's gonna send to heaven. And so Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples to know how to lead through that kind of opposition and how to have wisdom even in the midst of false teaching so they can continue to lead the future of the church. So that's what he's trying to do. I mean, that's a pretty big conversation. That's a pretty mature discussion that Jesus is wanting to have with his disciples. However, the disciples heard Jesus say the word yeast and they go back to thinking about bread. That's all they can think about. They didn't hear anything else about the false teaching and the leading and how to, how, to, how to navigate through with wisdom. All they heard was, he brought up bread again and we're still hungry. Look at verse 16. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus is like, no, there's this big thing we got to talk about. And they're just like, food, 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 food. They can't stop thinking about anything other than just food. So Jesus does, if, there, if there's any teachers in here, you do this daily and you do it without thinking. Jesus, as an incredible teacher, he adjusts on the fly and he pivots. Fine, we were going to talk about false teaching and leading the church after I'm gone. But if you want to talk about bread, we'll adjust and talk about bread. That's what he does. Verse 17, Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing, arguing about having no bread? Like, why is this what you're thinking about? Why is this the biggest discussion out of everything we could talk about right now? You want to talk about bread. That's what we're going to talk about, right? Why are you arguing about not having any bread? Then he uses that and he fires off a bunch of other questions, one after another. Look at these. Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? And then he ends with, don't you remember anything at all? Don't you remember anything at all? Now, each of these questions that he kind of fires off, they're rhetorical, obviously, but even through that, I don't hear like the frustrated Jesus. I don't hear Jesus being mad at his disciples of, don't you have ears, can't you see? Like, it doesn't sound like he's angry. He sounds just more like somebody that is like, we've been through this before. Don't you remember? I know we've had this conversation. 
In fact, I'm positive every single one of us has said a phrase somewhat like Jesus here. Guys, why are we still talking about this? We have been through this before. We've all said that, right? We've all looked at our kids and said, guys, we've talked about this. Why can't you put your shoes in the closet? Like, you know this. You mentally know that shoes go to the closet. So how do we keep forgetting to put the shoes in the closet? Wives, I have no doubt that you have looked at your husbands and say, when you put your clothes in the laundry basket, you need to pull them right side out. How do you keep forgetting this? Nobody look at my wife at this part because this is what she tells me <laughs> daily. I'm very aware of it, babe. I'm, I know it. It's just never going to change. The Holy Spirit is going to have to do a work because it's not going to happen. But it's like, if I know it, why do we always forget about it? The TV remote. I'm going to just preach for a second. The TV remote. I can never find any of the remotes. So I'll say, not with my family, of course, but I'm sure you've said this, where it's like, guys, where are the remotes? We're supposed to put the remotes back where it belongs. How do we keep forgetting? Right? And trash goes where in the trash? See, these are things you know. Yet for some reason, we have to always say, guys, what, what, how, do we, how do you not know this? How are you not aware of this? That's, that's the feeling that Jesus is having with his disciples. Guys, we have talked about this. We have been through this. I don't understand why you're talking about bread. Help me understand how you keep forgetting. How do you not remember? So he does. Again, I love these rhetorical questions. He starts out, don't you know or even understand? Let's talk about each of these real quick. What Jesus is getting at here is the common sense, the logical progression of what his disciples have experienced. In other words, it's like, okay, guys, you know this, right? Two plus two equals this section understands, right? <laughs> yep. Two plus two equals four, right? And we know that because we've learned it, we understood it, like you can count it and you can do it. it it's logical, it's common sense. We understand that. We have the mental ability to understand two plus two equals four. Jesus is looking at his, his disciples. Guys, why are we arguing about food? Like, this doesn't make sense. Everything that you've seen, everything that you've heard, everything that you've witnessed, everything that you've experienced, like two plus two equals four, why are we arguing about not having enough food. Do you not understand? Does this not make sense to you? Then he asks a really hard question. He says, are your hearts hard? Like, is it a matter of you not understanding or is it a matter of your heart? Like, is your heart just refusing to believe and refusing to have faith? Like, which is it? If you understand, but then you're still refusing, like that sounds like a heart issue. So is it a mental capacity issue or is it a heart issue or is it a physical issue? I love that he says, you have ears, right? Like you heard all the things that I've said. You have eyes, right? Like your eyes are in and working. You've seen what I've done. So do you not understand? Is it a heart issue and your ears not working? Are you not able to see like what's the problem? And all of that gets summed up in that one question. Don't you remember anything? And out of all the questions that Jesus is going to ask in this section, that's the question we're going to focus on. Don't you remember? Guys, don't you remember what I've done and what you've seen? Don't you remember anything? So Jesus is going to help the disciples remember. He's going to reminisce with them. He's going to help them look back just a little bit. If you've got a physical Bible, you can get there real quick. If you look at Mark chapter 6 and then earlier on in Mark chapter 8, Jesus did two miracles that are very, very similar, 
but still different. They're both feeding miracles, right? You're familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. There's also, if you didn't know, a feeding of the 4,000. Different, but very similar. The similarities are, or the, or the commonalities are Jesus was teaching and drew a crowd. That crowd showed up and stayed for a long period of time. That crowd became hungry. And then we're told in both of those stories in the feeding of the 5,000 and of the 4,000 that Jesus had compassion on them and didn't want to send them away. So he looked at his disciples in each of these stories and said, you guys need to feed them. And in both, in both stories, the disciples are like, oh, we don't have enough food to feed all of these thousands of people. So then Jesus looks at them and asks them a question, says, well, what do you have? Bring me what you have. So in the feeding of the 5,000, he was brought five loaves of bread and two fish. In the feeding of the 4,000, he was brought seven loaves of bread. And Jesus takes little and turns it into much and feeds every single person. What's interesting is there's one other aspect of those stories that that's what Jesus is going to focus on. So as he reminisces with his disciples, notice the questions. Verse 19, right after he said, don't you remember anything at all? Verse 19, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. Those two questions that take the disciples down memory lane are very telling as to what Jesus wanted the disciples to focus on. Jesus did not ask them, do you remember how many people I fed? 5,000, 4,000, that's just the men, not counting women and children. Jesus did not ask them, what did you give me so that I could then do a miracle? He didn't ask that. Like, how many loaves did I start out with? He didn't ask that question. See, Jesus didn't want the disciples just focused on the miracle. He didn't want them to remember and just focus on the provision. Jesus didn't want the disciples just focusing on and remembering even the power of Jesus. He wanted them focused on the plenty. He wanted them to focus on the abundance. In both stories, there were basketfuls of leftovers. That's significant. He didn't just feed the people out of compassion. He fed them, and there was plenty left over. March Madness is a big deal in our house. If that's not you, then you're going to have to like apply this differently because it's not going to make any sense probably. But for us, it's a big deal. So we love watching the games and we'll stay up late and we'll like make basketball parties out of it. In fact, we went to the Clemson game. They're not in the tournament. That's a whole other thing. Still a little bitter about it. But they were hosting the NIT in Clemson a couple weeks ago. So we kind of spontaneously said, let's go watch the game. They're hosting Moorhead State. They should blow them out of the water. They lost. They lost first round. They were one seed. They lost to the 16th seed. You've got to be kidding me. But as they're, we still had a blast. We still had a fun time. But as we're watching the game, I mean, it was a nail biter. It was the whole game back and forth and back and forth. I mean, the game was so close. It came down to the final seconds, came down to the very end. And then Moorhead State won. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And even on the way back to the car, my older boys, Connor and Cole, they, they were making those comments like, man, we should have won that if it wasn't for that one call, or man, if that had gone in, if he didn't miss that free throw. Like it was so close that just one change of that moment could have changed the entire outcome. It was that close of a game. Now, if they had won or lost by say 30 to 50 points, we're not having that same conversation. It's like, yep, no contest, right? 
it's obvious who won and who lost. It wasn't even close. Jesus is pointing out, it wasn't even close, guys. Plenty and abundance is how I work. Now, can you imagine how different those two stories of the feeding of the 5,000 and feeding of the 4,000, how different those stories would have been if Jesus asked the question, man, how many leftovers did you have? I fed the 5,000, how many leftovers? And they all looked around like, oh man, did you guys can't like, I don't think we had any leftovers, Jesus. It was super, like everybody, everybody ate, but it was like really close. We barely had enough for everybody. And if Jesus were to ask the same question about the 4,000, guys, how, when I fed the 4,000, how many leftovers did we have? Oh, man, I'm pretty sure like, like one loaf ba- maybe left over. I mean, Peter had a second helping, so maybe that was gone, but I'm not really sure. Maybe one loaf at best. Could you imagine how different that would have felt instead of 12 big basketfuls, seven big basketfuls? Jesus is helping them, the disciples understand because they had forgotten, helping them, them remember, I've got this. And when I've got it, it's not even close. And he's not talking about physical provision necessarily. It's more than just bread. He said, when I'm in control, when you let me take over in your life and you choose to follow me, it's not even close. There's no doubt. There's no question. Have faith in me because I am faithful the biggest problem the disciples are dealing with here is, has nothing to do with only having one loaf of bread for 12 men in the boat. It's they have forgotten the faithfulness of God through his son, Jesus. They've forgotten that. And Jesus was helping them remember. Remember how faithful I've been? How many leftovers you've had? Guys, it's not even close. It didn't come down to the wire. It wasn't a nail biter. It wasn't stressful. I've got it. So why are you so concerned today? we get those blinders on and we're so focused on just today sometimes we need to be reminded of what he's already done and to be reminded that he's got it to be reminded of his faithfulness so out of all the questions what if jesus asked you this one what if jesus asked you do you remember whatever you're dealing with today whatever has you worried today whatever has you stressed out today Whatever has you concerned today, whatever has you upset today, whatever has you angry today, frustrated, bitter, do you remember? Do you remember the love of Jesus? Do you remember his compassion? Do you remember his forgiveness? Do you remember his grace? Do you remember his power? Do you remember his provision? Do you remember his faithfulness? May we never forget his faithfulness. We have an entire scripture that is full of things to remember, right? I mean, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit would whisper to you and I today, do do you remember these stories, these accounts, these true stories? Do you remember Moses? Do you remember Moses and how he murdered uh, someone, but then I brought him out of the wilderness and used him to rescue an entire nation? Do you remember that story? It's almost as if he would say, do you remember the story of Noah? Where God would say, and I asked him to do something just crazy 
that wouldn't make any sense in the moment, but later on you would see the plan that I have. Do you remember that story? Do you remember the story of Joshua? who was going into the promised land like God had promised, but there's another city in the way, and so the way to defeat that city is to walk around the walls. Oh, but God is faithful. Do you remember the story of Joshua? Do you remember the story of Gideon, who was uh, up against these incredible odds? He had a small army and was facing a massive army, and God continued to whittle down his army to only 300 men so that he would have to trust God even more, and God gave him the victory. Do you remember that story? Do you remember the story of David? A shepherd boy defeated a a giant, became a king, sinned and made a mistake. But do you remember his broken heart before the Lord? Do you remember the grace that God gave him through confession and repentance? Do you remember that story? Oh, we could go on and on and on through the stories of God's faithfulness. Do you remember the story of Peter who followed Jesus, the drop of a hat, but denied him three times when Jesus was arrested. But Jesus came back around after his resurrection and redeemed him, forgave him, and told him to go and start the church. Do you remember that story? Do you remember the story of Saul, who made it his mission in life to stamp out Christianity by imprisoning and killing Christians? But he met Jesus, his life was forever changed, and he became a missionary to plant churches. Do you remember? Remember his faithfulness. Remember his goodness. Sometimes we need to look back and remember. So I've been praying for what's going to happen next um, for the last several weeks. Because I know, I don't know all your stories, but I know you can't sit in a seat in here and not have things. We all do. So I've been praying that I'm going to give you five things I think we ought to remember. I'm praying one of them is what you needed today. That's how God works, right? That's how he speaks. We said this space is a place for God to speak and for us to listen. So I've been praying. I know he's speaking. I've been praying that you would hear it, that you would listen. So one of these may be for you. Remember what Jesus thinks about you. Remember that you're valuable. That you are worthy. That you are beautiful. That you are his. Remember what Jesus thinks about you. Maybe you need to remember what Jesus tells you. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus gives us truth, not suggestions, not opinions. He says, this is the way. This is the truth because I am the truth, and I am the way, and I am the life. Sometimes we get too preoccupied with our own opinions and preferences and our own ideas and what we want to do, how we would do it if we were God, maybe we need to just remember. And sometimes that's hard because we don't always like what he says. Maybe we need to remember the truth that Jesus tells us and to follow him. Maybe you need to remember what Jesus wants for you. I didn't say from you. I said for you. He desires life for you not just life for eternity with him. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. Or another translation would say abundant life. That doesn't mean you get everything you want to get. He's not talking about material items. He's talking about true life. That's only found in him. He wants that for you. 
He wants you to have a close and intimate relationship with him so he can be with you. He wants every day you to wake up taking another step to get closer and closer to him. That's what he wants for you. Maybe you just need to remember what Jesus has done already. Remember what Jesus did for you. That he came, humbled himself from heaven and came to earth, as Philippians 2 tells us, to become a servant and to sacrifice his life for the salvation of us. Our sins, the wages is death. It required sacrifice. And he took your spot. He took my spot. So when you think that there's no forgiveness because of what I did or what has been done around me, you remember he came and he already took that away. He's given you freedom from sin and death because he has conquered both sin and death. Our victory is found in him because of what he's already done. And now we're gonna celebrate that on the ninth when we have Easter here. So we celebrate and we remember. Last one, maybe you need to remember what Jesus promises you. There's a lot of promises you can read through in scripture. Not all of them are for us. You gotta read the context. But Jesus gives us a lot of promises that he will always be with us, that he will send us his spirit to dwell in us, that he will lead us and guide us, that we will be given wisdom if we ask for it, that there's grace, not guilt. There's mercy, not shame. There's life and freedom. Those are the promises he's given us. The greatest promise of all is the promise of eternal life because of his son Jesus that we have because of his grace. It's the greatest promise God has ever given us is his son. I don't know which one of those you needed to hear today. I know when, which one I needed. But may we remember the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness strengthens our faith today. When you walked in this morning, you should have gotten communion. Communion is intended to do just that, to remember. If you didn't grab communion on your way in, our guest services will be walking up and down. Just kind of raise your hand. Uh, there's a lot more seats in here today, so give them just a minute. Uh, they'll get to you. Communion, we don't do this every single week. We do it very intentionally to talk about the sacrifice of Jesus so that we can remember with intentionality. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. The blood represents Jesus's, the, the juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. This is our time to remember, not ask for anything. We remember the faithfulness of God through his son, Jesus. Before we take communion, I want to leave you with one last passage out of Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus. And I would love for you to hear this as though he was writing it to our church today. Ephesians 3 verse 16, Paul writes, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. It's his strength, not ours. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. We have to have the trust. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. Something the disciples seem to have forgotten in that story. And sometimes we need Jesus to remind us. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. In other words, the prayer is, 
don't forget his love. Don't forget what that love cost. And don't forget that that love is for you and it's for me. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. There's that abundance than we might ever ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Don't forget that. And don't forget his faithfulness. When we recognize and remember the faithfulness of God yesterday, we'll strengthen our faith for today. Let me pray for us and then we'll take communion. God, thank you so much for what you have already done, what you've already given us, your son, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your victory over sin and death through your resurrection. And thank you for the gift of your spirit that lives in us as believers and followers of you. Jesus, may we never forget. Holy Spirit, would you constantly put it on the front of our minds and in our hearts to remember your faithfulness. Because when we look back and we remember your faithfulness, that's what helps us today. That's what helps us take one more step today. We trust you. We put our faith in you because we know how good and faithful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. In your own time, take a few minutes, pray, remember, give thanks, and then you can take communion.